You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I'm the senior pastor and one of the elders of Believers Baptist Church. And with me today is another of our elders, Philip Castleton. I thought you'd forgotten my name. I did too. I mean, yeah. what is your name? <laughs> Don't you lie to me because you go to church here and I'll figure out who you are. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, we do want to thank everyone for listening and uh, look forward to our time together with these podcasts. And today, Philip, we are going to answer a question that is related to Easter. We are recording this on March the 23rd. April the 4th will be the Resurrection Sunday. And so we wanted to talk about why is the resurrection important? Why is the resurrection important? I feel like that our best text for that would be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Probably uh, that would be the most extensive treatment of the resurrection in Scripture. And if you will point me, if that's Old or New Testament, yeah. no, I just can't yeah. find it right now. That one's to the right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, from Hosea, it's to the right. Yes. Yes. Um, there's so much to be said. I, I think within the cultural Americanized celebration of Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday is the typical popular name. Um, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstanding. People uh, use that to f- gather with families, and that's positive. And then we've got the whole uh, Easter bunny, and we've got the uh, Easter eggs, and we've got those elements of um, American Easter celebration. And in all of that, it seems that an understanding and a good biblical understanding of the resurrection um, seems to get lost in it. You know, and we that's why we wanted to come to this question and try to uh, give some clarity to it and some thought, and um, we pray that uh, it would be helpful. Well, you know, before you get into that, I think you're right. The, the importance of it is lost on so many people. I think specifically um, in Christianity today, I mean, there it has been um, it's kind of accepted, unfortunately, uh, that the supernatural can be dismissed or removed from Christianity, and yet one can still call themselves a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. a person can be a Christian and not believe in the miracles. A Christian can uh, be a, uh, one can be a Christian and not believe that the resurrection was um, anything more than um, uh, a figurative thing, which was meant to teach us something, you know, about the power within us or whatever the case may be. Right. The, um, but. Um, this is imperative. It's imperative, and it actually has implications to our lives on a daily basis. In fact, it's it's unfortunate that we only celebrate um, technically the resurrection one Sunday out of the year when the early church, they met on Sundays because it was a celebration of the resurrection every week. Right, right. And um, so, and not that it's the celebration of some figurative or... Um, uh, um, allegorical type understanding of the resurrection that it that it stood for something. It it actually we're talking about the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it has and and what it means for believers. And and it's important um, according to First Corinthians fifteen. It's actually um, one of the. Uh, it, 
necessary doctrines to be believed to be a Christian. Yes. I mean, it is part of the gospel proper mm-hmm. to recognize and understand that there was truly a resurrection from the dead, right? Not just some kind of figurative thing, and that it has real implications. And that's fact, like, that's what 1 Corinthians 15 is going to tell us, what it, the implications it has for uh, for believers. Right. And let's remember I, the reason I believe that Paul was writing 1 Corinthians 15 was because there was confusion about the resurrection. Right. He's trying to address the confusion there. And there's a lot of different doctrinal issues that he addresses within the letter of 1 Corinthians. But this is to address the the Corinthians' confusion about the resurrection um, rather than their disbelief. So they're not disbelieving the resurrection necessarily, or would you say that they were? Um, well, I think that they probably were being confronted by teachers who were um, trying to confuse them about either, uh, and you know, in some places, you know, he actually confronts believers who said the resurrection had already happened and these mm-hmm. people had missed it, mm-hmm. right? Well, I don't think that's what happened here, but I think probably he, um, from the way that it's termed all the way throughout, I think that probably some people had infiltrated the church who were saying that the resurrection wasn't going to be a reality or that it was maybe something, you know, like uh, liberal Christians. Uh, and I hate using that word. I hate putting those two things together. Mm-hmm. If you deny the supernatural, you, by definition, can't be a Christian. I mean, right. But that being said, um, uh, I think that there may have been um, this understanding of liberality, liberalism that had crept in, which was denying the supernatural, you know, and, and tried to. And so I think that he's confronting uh, possible bad teaching right. that had come in. Right. And, and with that bad teaching would be the misunderstanding, misapplication, the confusion that surrounds the the whole issue or the whole um, doctrine of the resurrection. And I know that you get that, uh, verse 12, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, mm-hmm. how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Mm-hmm. So you know, all that to say, um, we want to draw what Paul says about the resurrection from the text and then help answer the question, why is the resurrection important? That's the question that right. is before us for the podcast. So let me just let me get it started, Philip, and you chime in and, and uh, we'll look at the text. There's a lot to be said. This is a long text. And so we won't take the time to read every word of it, but we'll makes the uh, make the same points uh, prayerfully that Paul makes. So beginning there in verse one, Paul writes, "This is First Corinthians fifteen. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain." Now, without going into a lot of detail, let me just say that. For the certainty of the resurrection, I think that's what Paul is laying out here in these early verses. The certainty of the resurrection and the testimony of the church itself gives validity to the certainty the certainty of the resurrection. And he's actually establishing for them the content of faith, right? You know, you, 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 uh, I'm, I'm giving back to you. I'm explaining to you once again what you believed. Yes. What was the content of your faith? Right. And, um, and here it is, and it involves the death and the resurrection. Right. That's right. That's right. So by the time we come to verses 3 and 4, we have the testimony of Scripture. For I deliver to you as of first importance 
what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas. And I'll stop there. Verses 3 and 4 are the verses I want to concentrate to make this point. That is the testimony of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So we have the testimony of the church, verses 1 and 2, the testimony of Scripture, verses 3 and 4. The testimony of eyewitnesses begins there in verse 5. I read the first part of that verse in verse 5, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. Then verse 6 talks about the 500 that Jesus appeared to. And then in verse 7, he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And so these verses then give us the eyewitnesses of, the, the rather the testimony of eyewitnesses. And again, without going into a lot of details and taking a lot of time in explaining that, so you have three strong testimonies of the certainty of the resurrection that Paul is laying out in these early verses, and that is the testimony of the church, the testimony of scriptures, the testimony of eyewitnesses, and then Paul himself becomes an Uh, witness and gives testimony to the resurrection because he says in verse 8, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So that sets the stage for what Paul is going to lay out, I believe, uh, through the rest of this text in terms of why is the resurrection important? So let's begin thinking about, first of all, what he says to us in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. So let's take two of Mm -hmm. the um, evidences or the important reasons for the resurrection. The first is, if Christ had not been risen, then our faith is in vain. It is a futile thing to believe. It is a futile thing to uh, say that you have um, repented of your sins and come to faith in Christ all of that would be for naught. That's, that's what he says in, in verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. He, he's not been raised from the dead. Then we have no salvation. Yeah. What are we hoping to? What are we hoping unto? What is, what is the basis? And this is why what I said a minute ago, this is why I prefaced what I said about liberal Christianity and those who refuse to or, uh, or eliminate, if you will, the supernatural from, from uh, the content of faith. If Christ, he says here, first of all, if there is no supernatural in this sense, if, the, if dead aren't raised, we, it, he begins with that argument. If resurrection is not even a possibility, well then uh, forget you being raised. Christ hasn't been raised. Right. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then everything we say about God, everything we say about Christ is futile. The preaching is futile. And, and our belief and our hope in him is futile as well. Right. So, yeah, it, 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 you can't, uh, this idea that you can set aside um, the supernatural and have a, 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 a valid biblical faith 
in in a in a saving Christ, what are you being saved from? What are you being saved to? I mean, uh, you don't have any of that. That's right. So that's verses twelve and thirteen. And I read verse fourteen, but I'll read it again. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and our faith is in vain. So you said it, and I'll bear witness to it again that. Our preaching would be in vain. If there's no resurrection, uh, then there's no need to preach. If there's no resurrection, uh, the gospel just takes its place alongside all the other myths and fables of the world. But the gospel is not a myth or a fable. And it makes you wonder why these preachers, pastors, whatever, Bible teachers, even are pastors or preachers if that's the view they hold. Mm-hmm. I mean, because this text would say that there, if if uh, well, it would it would go to re- to to realize that if if the the reality of the resurrection, if that's not true, if if the rea- resurrection is not true, if that in itself leads to the the reality that preaching itself is vain, then if you believe that the resurrection is not true, what are you preaching? Right. What would be the point? Why do you even call yourself a Christian? Right. I mean, it would seem like it, there's such a disconnect between those two things. The only reason to proclaim hope in Christ is because he was resurrected. Yes, absolutely. So then um, we, we come to the last part of verse 14 that I read, your faith is in vain. We've already made comment about that. So again, what we're saying is the importance of the resurrection is because you would uh, not have a risen Christ. Our preaching would be meaningless. A faith in Christ would be worthless if Christ didn't rise. Um, again, there's no reason to have any hope. The other thing that I would mention to you found in verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we are testifying about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So it would be a misrepresentation of God. Right. And you were talking about that with the supernatural, the connection there. You know something else, too, that <clears throat> we probably ought to be thinking about in this um, it, it, we would be misrepresenting God because if he does not raise the dead and we've been testifying, obviously, that he has been raising the dead, we're calling him a liar, right? Right. Or, you know, or, or something to that effect. But um, the other, th- you know, what's really interesting, and as, and as you progress through this text, um, it's going to be clear. One thing that we can't, and, and Paul doesn't allow in this, in his understanding, his argumentation, and therefore we shouldn't. What he doesn't say is, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, well, then there's no God and you're off the hook for your sins. Right. He doesn't say that. What he says is, if there's no resurrection from the dead, right. then faith is futile, preaching is futile, and he's going to say here in just a minute that you're going to be eternally lost in your sins. So the reality of God, the reality of judgment, and the reality of sin being, uh, you know, uh, consequently uh, putting us under God's wrath, none of that is removed right? because Christ, because resurrection isn't real. So all that does is leave you hopeless. Yes. Yes. Without God and without hope, really, yes. in, in this world. Right. So you're right. In verse 15, if the resurrection is not true and we are found to be misrepresenting God, uh, then we are liars. We, yes. we would be liars of the resurrection. Well, um, let's consider verses 16 and 17. 
For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So let's add that to the importance of the resurrection. We would still be in our sins if it were not for the resurrection. Remember that Ephesians 2 teaches us that we're dead in our trespasses and sin and that we are uh, children of wrath, that we are under the condemnation of our own sin. And without the saving work of the Holy Spirit in our life to cause us to recognize our sin and that we repent, we turn from our sin and we believe in God, we believe God, we believe, you know, let me just say this. To say we believe in God, everybody in our culture, in the Bible Belt, where we, you and I live, Philip, everybody would say they believe in God. But the key is, do they believe God? Yes. What God has said about himself, what God has said about the gospel, what God has said about his son, mm-hmm. that's it, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. So anyway, my point is that we would still be in our sin with no hope and uh, no uh, sense of forgiveness, no sense of peace with God, uh, no justification before God. Hey, well, since, you, since you're there, I want to say Romans 4.25 says specifically that Jesus Christ was raised for our justification, mm-hmm. meaning that in the vindication that transpired, you know, Jesus Christ died, right? right? Taking on the sins of man. God raised him up, vindicating his work, vindicating his sinlessness, vindicating all these things. And then Paul says specifically, we're justified on behalf of that. So um, he was resurrected and therefore his righteousness applied to us. This is why we're no longer in our sins. Right. Because we've been declared righteous on behalf of his a passive and active obedience, right? Even submitting himself to death, death on the cross, right. Philippians says. So um, this is why we, he was resurrected. Therefore, we're declared righteous. Yes, absolutely. Well, let me do one more, Philip, and then I'll, I'll let you go through some of the um, rest of the text. I'll do verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all of all people most to be pitied. So again, without the importance or without the resurrection, and we're trying to, to hone in on the importance of the resurrection, then we would be considered people, the most pitiable people in the world because we have, would have believed a lie. We would have trusted in something that um, would cause us to um, think that there's accountability and there's responsibility, there's self-discipline, there's self-control, and we would miss out, I'm putting this in air quotes, mm-hmm. miss out on all the, again, air quotes, good things of this world. Why not eat, drink, and be merry? Exactly. Right, because tomorrow we'll die. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right, so we would be considered pitiable people in this world and not have... And you know what's funny? We are considered pitied by many people. They look down on us yeah. like we're uh, incapable of, of thinking or capable of logic. or, or We have some kind case. of crutch. Yeah. This is a crutch to us. And, and, and that's, um, uh, that is what's to be expected from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, we, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I want to go back to verse 18 for a second. Sure. If, if the resurrection is not true, then all those people who have died before us are in hell. 
Oh, yes. Every yes. single one of them's in hell. It says in verse 18, uh, then those also who have fallen asleep, he's talking about have died, right. in Christ. Those who, who claim the name of Christ, those who trusted in him, have perished. perished. They are suffering for their sins in eternal God and God's eternal wrath, mm-hmm. right? Right. So if there's no resurrection, there is no salvation from your sins. Like you said, verse 20, it guarantees our resurrection. Why is it important? Because if Christ was raised, we too will be raised if we're in Christ. But in fact, verse 20, Christ has been raised from the dead. This is true, he says, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea is that of a farmer going out and planting a crop and he lays in his seed and he's got a big field. You're planting by hand. Right. And so by the time you get to the end of the field, it might be several weeks from the time you started in the field. Right. And so the crop doesn't all come up at once. You see the crop at the beginning, the part you planted first, the fruit of that is showing up before the fruit at the end. And that's exactly what he's saying here. He's saying the fact that we see Jesus resurrected is a promise of a future harvest of resurrection. Those who are in Christ are going to be resurrected as well. Amen. Okay. Verse 21 and 22, it it completes or or communicates this doctrine of federal headship and imputation. And now this may sound confusing, but the fact is, is um, it makes clear that Adam was our representative. Yes, this is really important. It to is. Get. Yes. Adam was our representative, and when he sinned, when he failed, he took humanity with him. So what, um, what, what could be gained from Adam was gained from Adam, and that was a sin nature. Yes. Right? Right. Okay. So... Um, we imputed, we were imputed um, sin guilt yes. because of Adam. It says, just as that was true, what's true is through that one man, sin came on human beings. And Paul makes a, a, a more articulated argument about this in, in Romans 5. Yes. Okay. So if you want to spend more time there. But he says, just as that one man imputation was made to all men uh, of a sin nature, through one man, righteousness comes. The imputation of righteousness, which we just referenced in, in Romans chapter 4, right? This We need a righteousness outside of law-keeping, yes. right? One that we can't do on our own. We need something that is true and right and, and, and fulfills all of God's requirements. And only God himself in flesh could do that. Yes. Christ died. He fulfilled, resurrected from the dead, vindicated by the Father through the power of the Spirit, and because he was vindicated, justification for us. And so it, it, it teaches us this federal head doctrine and the doctrine of imputation, verse 21 and 22. Yes. I'll read it. For as by one man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Right? Right. Verse 24 through 26 it, it's the evidence that the last enemy has been defeated. Yes. And that last enemy is death, right? Right. Look what it says in 24. Then comes the end. Or, or I'll just keep reading. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hallelujah. 
Amen, right? Right. So we get, death has been defeated. The resurrection is evidence to the fact that even though we still see death in our world right now, we can guaranteed that the resurrection promises that that death has been defeated. And there is no sting to that death for those who are in Christ. Right. Right. Amen. So we know that. Why is the resurrection important? Because it proves that the last enemy has been defeated. Look at verse 29. It also says that the testimony, if, if the resurrection's not true, the testimony of all those faithful witnesses that went before is futile, right. useless, meaningless. It says, otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? And here's the argument. There would be people who would say, um, why are their, their baptism, their picture of this new life that they have in Christ, there were people that would say, I saw the testimony of those who went before me. I saw the life they lived, um, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I saw the life they gave. And because of the testimony of those who went before, they were choosing to identify themselves with that same Christ. Mm-hmm. And they were giving themselves into the, the physical manifestation of that uh, new relationship, which we understand is baptism, right? It represents, it's a picture of, of that union with Christ. Yes. They give themselves over to this union. He's saying all that testimony, if Christ hasn't been raised, the testimony that, that you think you see in those faithful uh, believers that have gone before, mm-hmm. he said futile. Right. It means nothing. Right. Right. That's what verse 29 says. Well, look at verse 30 though. It's a motivation for endurance, because there's a resurrection. Paul says specifically, if the resurrection's not true, verse 30, why are we in danger every hour? Right. Why would I tolerate being persecuted by all those non-believers around me who hate me and, and don't want to hear the preaching of the gospel, right. right? Why would I tolerate that? If this is all a farce, why would I give my life to be beaten and, and battered and burned? Right. It's a motivation that the fact that the resurrection is true is a motivation for our endurance. Right. Endure because God has something greater in store. And he needs to read, uh, the, the listener needs to read um, 2 Corinthians 11 and 12 to, to see an autobiography of Paul and the, the persecution and the troubles and the uh, trials and the stress that he endured. Because for the gospel's sake. Yeah, and for the promise of a, of a, a, a wonderful resurrection. Yes. In fact, Paul has, says in, in, in Corinthians um, that um, that the endurance that we, that uh, the troubles that we uh, endure right now actually provide for us a greater resurrection, yeah. a greater weight of glory, glory when that resurrection is, is, is known. Yes. And so that being said, it's a motivation for endurance. Verses 31 through 34 gives us a foundation for godly living. Mm, Look what it says here in verse 31 through 34. I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus, if the dead are not raised? Let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. But don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, and I say this to your shame. Here he's saying the resurrection is motivation to live right now. Yes. Knowing that um, enduring suffering, 
endure, you know, like the motivation we just talked about to endurance, but also not just to endure, but to live godly now. He's saying, why would you continue on in sin knowing that God has prepared for you a resurrection? It only makes sense. If you're going to continue living in sin, it only makes sense that there must not be one. Right. Right. Right? right. That you must only can live for the immediate and the satisfaction of the flesh. The eat, right. drink, and be merry thing we talked about right. earlier. Because what we need to realize is the resurrection of the body is so that you can stand before God. Yeah. And, and be judged either... Your sins in hell or your sins have been judged in Christ for the believer. Mm-hmm. So the, you, the, the importance of the resurrection um, in terms of um, standing before God is that we are in his presence to receive the judge, just recompense for well, yeah, in fact, that's what he's going to go on to say in verse 35 through 57. And I won't read the whole text, but in essence, our bodies aren't designed for eternity. Right. And, um, but our resurrected bodies will be. So what is weak now will be raised in power then. Yes. What is mortal now will be raised in immortality. What is temporary will put on permanence. Yes. What is sinful now will not be sinful then, right? Or f- I should say full of sin now won't be uh, sinful then. So that being said, um, our bodies, our, our temporal bodies, this tent, in fact, a way we don't want to think that it, that it's better to get rid of our bodies. Paul actually says um, that we don't long to be unclothed in right. essence, but to be further clothed. It's not that bodies are bad. Bodies are good. Jesus yes. himself had a body. Mm. He took on flesh. Right. And, um, but the sin that remains in our body is bad. So we'll be equipped and fitted with a body that no longer knows the taste of sin. And for those outside of Christ, they'll be fitted with a body that can feel every whip of the lash, every lick of the flames, Mm -hmm. every bit of judgment that God's going to pour out on them. So that being said, our bodies aren't designed for eternity, but our resurrected bodies will be. Right. Right. So th- that is really the totality of, of, of this chapter and, and all the many ways that the, that the resurrection has implications on, to us, even in our daily lives. Right. And, and we went through it briefly. I mean, sure. hurriedly, I should say, mm-hmm. not, not necessarily briefly, but we've gone through it hurriedly. But, but if the reader and the listener would take the time to think about it um, and to go through these verses... Um, go through this text and and look at what we uh, just tried to present. It's it's pretty obvious that the, the it's not like it's hidden in there. These are obviously in the text. Sure. In fact, one more that um, just a real quick in Acts seventeen thirty, and he's talking at the Areopagus right to the to these people. But he says that God has appointed a day that He will judge the world, and He's done it. Uh, that He's and He's appointed a judge, and that a judge is Jesus Christ. But then it and it says, and He's proven this to be true by resurrecting Him from the dead. So another thing that the resurrection does is it guarantees future judgment. Right. It guarantees future judgment. Um, the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead proves that God is going to judge the living and the dead. Right. Well, without the resurrection, Christianity would be pointless. There's no Savior. There's no forgiveness. There's no gospel. There's no meaning for faith. There's no life. There's no hope. Uh, there... Th- if there's anything we ought to take from all of this, and there's so much to take from it, um, th- there will be a resurrection of all people. Mm-hmm. 
And the question is, are you ready? Have you thought about your life? And do you understand the urgency of faith in Christ alone right now? Um, those who are listening, there may be one that is listening and that from, from whatever circumstance and whatever place you might be, and you might hear what we are saying, and there would be a, 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 a sense of spiritual awakening as God might open your eyes to understand what is being said here. So without the resurrection, there is no hope. There is no—our worship is vain, our— serving the Lord, our witnessing, any of the things that we consider as actions of gratitude for the grace that has been given to us in Christ would be absolutely worthless. There's no reason to do that. That's right. And so uh, we pray that this podcast would be helpful to you as you think about the Resurrection Sunday that's uh, coming up on April the 4th. And again, we always appreciate any ratings or reviews or shares or good old-fashioned word of mouth about the podcast. If it's been helpful to you, which is our prayer, then may you have an opportunity, maybe you'll have an opportunity to pass this on. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. And we'll look forward to um, the podcast that we're going to be doing um, next week which has something uh, similar to this. And the question is, did Jesus go to hell? In that time of between death and resurrection, did Jesus go to hell? That's the, that's the that's, next podcast. Let's talk about it. All right. All right.